Do you ever find yourself having questions about prayer? If you do, I think you'd be in good company. I think a lot of people have questions about the topic of prayer. I mean, what is it? How do we do it? Why do we do it? And this isn't exclusive to just the Christian faith, but of many faiths around the world. But when it comes to the Christian faith, we often have a lot of anxiety and stress about this because it's not necessarily something that's cultural. I mean, for many of us, it's very unnatural to talk to God and to know what to say. We just don't do it very often as a society. And so we can approach prayer with a lot of mystery and skepticism, and we can find ourselves in a state where we might even get anxious about the idea of praying. If you've been in the church world for very long, there's a chance that maybe you've gone to a church event, whether it's something like a, a community group or just a gathering of Christian people at some point or another, there's been an opportunity to pray. And whether someone's asked you to pray out loud or they've just sort of had this moment where anyone who wants to pray can pray, you, you might have faced that moment and gone... I, I just don't know what to say. I, I don't even know where to start. I, I don't want to look like an idiot, and so maybe I will say nothing at all. If you felt those sorts of feelings or had those sorts of questions, I would say that you are not alone. But the good news is, as we approach this topic of prayer, we don't have to stay in that place. We can actually find a lot of answers. Jesus, in his goodness and kindness, not only modeled prayer as we can see it as we look at the Bible and study his life, but he actually taught about the subject of prayer and how we can go about talking with God. One of the most famous examples of this is, of course, the instance where we come across what's been affectionately known as the Lord's Prayer which is simply just a teaching, an example, a model that Jesus gave for us to pray through. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today as we continue on in the Sermon on the Mount. If you've got your Bible, I'd encourage you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, where we're going to look at verses 5 to 15, but we're going to spend most of the time focused really in on verses 9 to 13. But let's read these words of Jesus. Jesus said in verse 5, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans, for they... For they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive yours. 
Well, I mean, when we look at those 11 verses, it's easy to, to see a ton that we could cover. I mean, people have written whole books on just verses 9 to 13 alone, and we just aren't going to spend all of that time. We're going to come back to this at, at some point down the road. But for today, I really want us to hone in on this example where Jesus says, this then is how you should pray. Because I think as we focus on those verses, it gives us sort of a place to step forward from as we address some of our anxiety and questions around the topic of prayer and as we try to be more like Jesus. And as we look at these verses, what we're going to do is we're going to look at them in three chunks. The first thing we're going to do is look at the structure of the prayer. And I know that doesn't sound very exciting off the top, but trust me, I think you're really going to enjoy just studying how the prayer is laid out. The second thing we'll look at is the significance and meaning of this prayer. And then finally, we'll look at the practice or implementing this prayer into our lives. Now, as we go through this, I'm going to be upfront that I am totally uh, begging, borrowing, and stealing from some great scholars. In particular, as we look at the structure, I'm going to be using a graphic for us that I've taken from Pastor Daryl Johnson from Vancouver. So let's take a look at that graphic now. Now, as you look at this graphic, you're going to see that there's sort of these different statements that we read in the prayer, all pointing in this sort of chevron shape. And I think as we look at this structure, it kind of gives us a cool picture for what the Lord's Prayer is all about. The structure of the prayer actually tells us a lot beyond what the words say. And, and in order to understand that, what we have to do is sort of take ourselves out of our modern-day culture and kind of go back to ancient Israel. We have to jump into the, into the feet of a first-century Jew to sort of get an idea of what Jesus is saying beyond just his words. And, and this is important because they thought totally different than we do. For instance, as a, a modern Canadian, when we think of learning something, we sort of have subconscious things that have been trained into us. For instance, when we read, we read from left to right, from top to bottom. When you're going to give a speech or a talk, you normally have a hook up front, and then when you get to the end of the talk, you give some form of summary of the major points. If you were to study some teaching, say you're a, a university student taking a course and you want to brush up on something before the next test. What you do is you'd open up your textbook and to get a really good sense of where you should study and spend your time, you might read uh, the introductory paragraph in the chapter. Then you'd go to the end and look at the summary. And then a good practice would be for you to look for uh, things in different colors or things that are highlighted in separated boxes. And we learned these tips and these tricks as a way of figuring out what was important to the author, or if we're in school, what is important for the teacher, those things that are going to be on the test. Well, in ancient Israel, in, in this Middle Eastern culture, they thought differently. They, they thought in terms of symmetrical patterns, and often teachers would use something called a chiasm. Now, a chiasm is a way of laying something out where the focus is revealed by either repetition or the symmetry of what is said. And so in order to find the focus of what the teacher wants you to understand, you have to follow through the repetition 
or find what the symmetry points towards. Now, if we look again at this graphic that we have, it's very easy to picture the symmetry that Jesus is trying to give. It all points literally at the focus of what Jesus was trying to say. The focus that Jesus is trying to give us when we pray is that we should be searching for things to be on earth as they are in heaven. You see, as we look at this structure, that there's three points on the top, three on the bottom, and that point is in the middle. You could almost divide this straight in half. And so we have three on the top, three on the bottom, with that focus in the middle, that things will be on earth as they are in heaven. Now, when a first century Jew, Jesus' listeners, would have been listening to him teach this, they would have immediately gone somewhere, as Jesus said that statement. As soon as they heard, in heaven, they would picture God sitting in a throne room. And it would be the most incredible throne room you've ever seen. And there would be God in all his perfection and power. And he would be sitting there ruling with both peace and power. And that, this is what they would picture. And they would picture God literally bringing his throne room down and placing it on earth. Now, many of us have different perceptions of what heaven might be like, but if you were to study the Bible, you'd get this picture of, in part, God sitting on his throne, but we also see other promises from Jesus and other writers in the New Testament that tell us about how heaven is this place where there is no more sickness or suffering. There's no more sadness and pain. It tells us that the heaven is the place in which people of every people group throughout history and across the world come together to worship God. It's this wonderful picture. And this is what Jesus invites us to be focusing on. He says we want earth to look like it does in heaven. And so when Jesus invites us to pray, we get this invitation to invite God to accomplish just that. And I think for us, understanding that focus really answers a whole lot of questions. For instance, when we're not sure what to pray, Jesus tells us with this focus, pray for more of heaven on earth. Pray for God to be here like he is there. When we're unsure why we should pray in a given moment, we are reminded what Jesus gives us in this statement. He says we want to pray because... We want to see more of God's rule and reign, his kingdom, his throne, his power, everything, that good, everything that's good that comes along with that here in our presence. He says, well, when you're not sure, you know, what to pray or how to pray, you don't have to worry about it. You just have to ask God for more of heaven on earth. On earth as it is in heaven should be our focus when we talk to God. Now, what's really neat, if you actually look at the whole Sermon on the Mount, because right now, let's not forget, we're looking at everything in this major teaching of Jesus, all hinges on this same thing. If we understand that Jesus is speaking in a chiasm, we understand that he's sort of got this V thing going on again, and 
He's, we're right here in the middle of his sermon. And in our, our Bibles, we see that we're in the middle of chapter 6, where the Sermon on the Mount goes from chapters 5 to the end of chapter 7. And we're right here in the middle. Then we're right in the middle of that chapter, looking at the Lord's Prayer. And then right in the middle of that Lord's Prayer, in the middle of the chapter, in the middle of the sermon, we see this statement, on earth as it is in heaven. So as Jesus teaches this, he's teaching what God is all about. He's teaching what he's all about, what our prayer should be all about, what us as followers of Jesus should be all about, which is seeing more of God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And so we have this focus, and that helps us to understand the flow that we see that comes with the structure. As I said, you could divide this prayer into two sections. You have sort of the top section with three statements before the on earth as it is in heaven. And then we have three statements that flow out of that, which are three requests that we have from God for ourselves. And so let's start at the top. We have these three sort of petitions, these requests that we're supposed to come to and ask God for. And they all start with this word, your We're supposed to come and say, God, your name be hallowed or be honored and revered. We pray for your kingdom to come. And then we pray for your will to be done. And we invite all of those things to be done on earth as they are in heaven. So here Jesus sets us up right away with an order of importance What he's telling us is as we seek to communicate with God, we have a priority of the things we want to see accomplished and where we want to see them accomplished. And then that frames what's the second half of this prayer, which is the things that we come to God and ask for. I don't think God has any problem with us coming to him and asking him for anything But what Jesus does as he teaches this is he helps us to understand how we should frame those things and and how we should understand them in terms of the order of importance to God and therefore how they should be in order of importance for us. So we have his name, his kingdom, his will, and then we have this second half which is about us. It says, give us, so this is the focus on us, give us our daily bread, forgive us our debts, and lead us not into temptation. And so as we see, there's this flow that happens. We also see that there's some parallels. Again, as we look at this graphic, we see that there's these dotted lines that connect the different words from top to bottom. And that shows us that as Jesus was teaching us this prayer, he actually wanted us to understand that the things that we pray for for ourselves mirror the things that we pray for of the most importance. And so let's look at this first one on, on the far left. We see that God's name, that his name would be hallowed, is right above our temptation, that we want to ask God not to lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And so how are those two things related? Well, if we step back for a moment and consider what temptation is, temptation is this urge to do something that is sinful. It's this, to, it's this sort of feeling and desire, this attitude that we have that is leading us away from God and it causes us to reject him and his honor and it causes us to rebel against him when we give into sin. 
Since the Garden of Eden, Satan has tried to cause humanity to doubt the name of God. Satan has always made it very clear that he wants to attack who God is and people's perception of him. And so when we invite God to help protect us and guide us away from temptation, to lead us away from the evil one, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, I don't want to do anything that tarnishes the name of God or goes against it. I don't want to rebel against God and his rule and the honor that's deserved. So I want to stand against that. God, help me in standing firm in my faith and who you are and what your name is. Suddenly when we think about things that way, it puts this great importance on coming to God in prayer and actually wrestling through the things that we should or shouldn't do. It's not just a list of do's and don'ts, but instead, as followers of Jesus, this is about identity and it's about purpose and, and value. And we want to honor God's name. We want to celebrate his identity. We want to give him the most value. And in doing so, we recognize our purpose is to bring that glory to God. So we start with that and then we move over a little bit more and we see this parallel of kingdom and forgiveness. Kingdom and forgiveness. So let's remember that as God's name is held up, he has a rule and reign. He has a kingdom. And in order for us to experience that kingdom, we have to receive the forgiveness for when we did give into temptation, when we did fall short of God's standard. Remember the very first thing that Jesus taught in his ministry, and if we were reading it in Matthew, we'd see in chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus says, repent, turn away from the way that you've been going, because the kingdom of God is near. Repent, the kingdom of God is near. And so in Jesus' mind, there's this connection with the kingdom of God coming and people turning in faith in response to him and asking for forgiveness for the way that they've lived without him. For us to see more of God's kingdom come, we have to surrender more and more of the places in our lives that don't conform to what's right in his eyes, to what makes his name holy and revered. And so we pray for our forgiveness so that more of God's kingdom can come. And then finally, we have this parallel between God's will and bread. What's God's will in what he came to accomplish on earth? What did Jesus come for? Jesus came to provide what we needed most. Jesus came for the flourishing of the people who would be God's people. And as he does that, he provides for us on the daily. And so what we see is that there's a will of God for the flourishing of his people. And so we ask for what we need so that our lives can flourish, so his will could be accomplished, so his kingdom could be established, so his name can be made holy. And so all of these things are related so that we would see things on earth as they are in heaven. And that's what makes this prayer so significant. 
I think sometimes people can see prayer as this boring thing because it, it seems so disconnected from our normal life. It can seem so far apart from how we genuinely seem to live. And we go, well, it's just different, it's disconnected, and, and, and so it doesn't become important. But Jesus says, actually, this is so important. The significance of prayer is that we get to go to the God of the universe and speak with him about things of the most important matters. We get to speak to him about who he is and what we need. And as Jesus provides this prayer and this teaching on prayer, we see that he touches every aspect of our life. He touches on the fact that we have real physical, tangible needs as he encourages us to pray for our daily bread. We see that he addresses things that are relational and talking about his forgiveness and our forgiveness of others. He talks about the spiritual, the fact that we need to resist temptation and enter into his kingdom. God talks about past, present, and future. Of course, the forgiveness of past sins, but also the forgiveness for the things that we are doing wrong now and the needs that we have now in this very moment. But it's also for the future where we invite more of what God has for us and for the people around us that we care about and for the flourishing of all of humanity. You know, I don't know about you, but I need that past, present, and future. It's easy for me to look back at the past and see all the wrong and all the broken and all the hurt and lose sight of what's happening now and then the future seems bleak. But when we can come before God and we can see how he's been at work all through time and how he's provided this avenue for past, present, and future, we get to be people of hope and we get to participate with him in seeing his will accomplished. And so when we have these questions of prayer, it's not wrong for us to question them. I I think it's important for us to to ask questions about our our faith and our life. Why do we do these things? But but let's not just ask the question and set it aside. Let's study what, what God has to say. If we're to consider what Jesus says here, we can answer the why of prayer. The why of prayer is really that Jesus invites us to come into his presence. I know uh, one pastor in the States described it this way. He says, Jesus, through the Lord's Prayer, invites us to climb up into heaven, to stand before God and ask for God to accomplish his will, and that as we come back down to earth, we get the opportunity to bring more of heaven with us. I love that picture for why we pray. We pray because we get to experience God in prayer and we get to partner with him. We get to shape our lives and our desires and our attitudes and our thoughts around his things so that through our lives we can live on mission to bring more of his kingdom and more of his will to our lives, the lives of those around us and around the world. And that answers that what too. It's this this talking with God, communicating with God, this participation of something that's happening in the spiritual realm. When we're not sure what to pray for, Jesus says, here's what you pray for. You pray for what's most important and then you pray for what you need. And then of course, let's not forget right at the very beginning and, and this is 
probably the most important thing. We get to focus on the who of prayer. In verse 9, Jesus says, this is how you should pray. He says, our Father in heaven. We get to pray to the God who we are in relationship with. We get to come before the one who created the heavens and the earth. We get to be with spending time with the person who was there before time began and when it will end. We get to be with the God who is alive and active in our world. There is a truth that prayer works. And prayer doesn't work because we say the right things or because we do the right thing. In fact, earlier on, I think it's uh, in verse 8, yeah, the Father already knows what, what you need before you ask him. Prayer doesn't work because of us. It works because of him. How we can trust that all this will be accomplished is because God's already signed on the dotted line when Jesus came to live and die and rise again for us. Our prayer works because we have the creator, the all-powerful God of the universe who wants to lead his people towards a flourishing life. Why do we pray? We pray because we want to experience all of that. So the question is, what are you going to do? So many of us have relegated prayer in our life to being sort of the same list of things that we ask for or it's sort of this uh, emergency shoot that we put on as we're jumping out of some airplane situation of our lives and we're hoping that we don't crash land but instead would we look at prayer as an invitation to experience and embrace all that god will have for our earth what is already happening in heaven And might I suggest that there is a very simple way for us to begin to incorporate this into our life. What we can do is take the seven statements that are made in this prayer and we can apply one each day for our prayer life. So for example, this is how you would do it. On Sunday, you would focus just on that statement, Our Father in Heaven. And you can just come before God and you just talk to Him and say, Wow, God, you are my Father in heaven. And and then spend time acknowledging who he is, thanking him for the relationship that you have with him through Jesus. Think about what it means that the God of the universe wants to be in relationship with you. And you set that as your your Sunday focus, which will hopefully lead you and, and fuel you as you go into these next days. And then on Monday... You can pray, hallowed be your name on earth as it is in heaven. God's name is honored. God is worshipped in heaven. And and we pray, hey God, I can't do this. And we notice the the verb that he uses, if you were reading this Greek, in Greek would be imperative and passive, meaning it's this like declaration, but it's also something that we have nothing to do that we can contribute and so we say god make your name honored on this earth and we can focus our monday on on asking god to 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 accomplish something incredible so people around you would would come to know him and and as you pray that leading into tuesday you say and your kingdom come 
on earth as it is in heaven. God, I know people in my life who need you. They need your rule and reign in their life. Help to, to, to do something in their life. Save them for yourself. Allow your kingdom to expand around me. God, these, these places in my heart where I'm out of line, help that kingdom to come and start to work those things out in my life. This is a great day, maybe when you consider praying for our church's global partners and, and saying, God, we don't want to just see your kingdom come here in our lives and in our community, but around the world. And so God, move through those people who are doing work for you all over the world and allow your kingdom to reign even in some of the darkest places. And as we pray that on Wednesday, we say, God, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It takes no convincing for us as people to, to look around. If you watch the news by Wednesday night, you will be depressed by the state of our world. And so we say, God, the world's not running the way that it should be. This certainly isn't your will. So will you bring more of it to our world? Will you allow me to live my life this way? Will you help me to live my life a certain way so that your will would be done? Not so my ambitions would be satisfied, not so all my desires would be taken care of, but that yours would. Maybe on Wednesday you spend time praying for social and political leaders that there would be godly ones who would rise up and those who honor God would make decisions that honor him in our world. Pray for more justice to be served to those who are oppressed and, and taken advantage of and, and pray for God's will to be done in their lives. On Thursday then, this is the time, maybe now we start to turn towards ourselves as we've prayed for everything in our world and we say, God, give me what I need. And God, sometimes I don't know what I actually need and I think I need this, that, and the other thing and help me to start seeing my needs through the lens of your will. And so God, provide me exactly what I need. I need and then help me to understand that everything that I don't receive from you is the things that I don't need and give me joy and contentment in my life and then move from there into Friday and say God forgive me for my sins or my debts as I have forgiven those who have gone against me and man I don't know about you but by the end of every work week I'm sure if I kept a list I would have a ton of things that I need to be forgiven for and so maybe we end our week with this reminder that hey god i need to come before you and i need to lay down all this stuff all this junk through the week and and god forgive me but then as we consider that statement as we have forgiven our debtors we, we can also use this as a time as a reminder to say god there's there's people who have hurt me and they've done wrong and i need to come to this place where i can forgive them like you have forgiven me and we allow the work of the cross to begin to work in us on friday and then saturday we look forward to this next week where we're going to start this all again but we we don't end it there we say okay god lead me not into temptation but deliver me from the evil one and we prepare ourselves on the weekend we ask God for strength, for wisdom, for courage to resist the things of the world and the temptations that we need to press against. We, we pray for our church family and our friends and those who are people of faith that they would stand strong against all that comes against them throughout the week. 
When God invites us to pray, he invites us to be involved in the spiritual warfare that's taking, uh, taking place all around us. And so Jesus says, I want you to come to me. And you don't have to make it perfect. You don't have to make it fancy. That's what he's addressing with these people who pray out on the streets, these people who babble on trying to get God's attention. He says it's not about the number of words you say. It's not about looking the best out in front of other people. This is an opportunity for you to connect with the God of the universe and to intertwine your life with his and his name and his kingdom and his will and to participate in bringing it down after you've met with him in his throne room to earth so that we would experience more of on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer doesn't have to be a mystery. It doesn't have to be confusing. And prayer certainly does not have to be boring. It can be one of the most life-giving parts of our every day. And thank God that he knows exactly what we need before we even come to him for it. But would we now maybe spend just a few moments participating in this great thing Jesus invites us to do? Let's pray. God, you are so incredible. God, you... I I just can't believe that you want to have a relationship with us. Jesus, I can't believe that you have come to, to... to live and to die and to rise again so that we could receive forgiveness, so that we could be adopted into the family. Holy Spirit, thank you that you live within us so we can have a constant connection, that even when we don't know what words to say, that, that you speak them to yourself so that you know what is in our hearts and our minds. And God, we just thank you that we have a Father in heaven. God, we pray for more of your name to be known and honored and respected. Would you be worshipped on earth as you are in heaven? God, would we see more of your kingdom come? Would we see more and more people coming to know you, Lord, through your supernatural move through the lives of those in our church, through the involvement that we have in in world uh, missions and outreach, Lord God, would you bring more of your kingdom in the lives of individuals so there would be more of it on earth as there is in heaven. God, we know that there is so much in our world that's going wrong right now, that there's so much hate and so much anger, so much injustice and oppression god there is so many decisions being made on on small levels and on international levels that stand against your will and so god we pray that you would intervene in our world god that you would stomp out the injustice that you would bring your goodness lord that people would see your way as the right way and would we see more of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, I pray for our church family, Lord God, that as we wrestle through the many desires of our hearts, uh, whether it's ambitions or, or things that we want solved, Lord God, would we learn to see our needs uh, as, as, as being only the things that line up with your will. But God, would you provide those things in such a way that we would 
be overwhelmed by your goodness and your gifts. Lord, would we not be frustrated at the, the prayers that we think are unanswered, but will we see them as answered prayers that help us to connect more and more with you? And so, God, give us our daily bread. God, we also ask you for forgiveness, Lord God, as, as individuals we come before you and we recognize that so often we, we don't live with your, your name as the top thing in our life, that we don't see the expansion of your kingdom as our first priority, that we don't accomplish your will and instead we rebel against you. God, would you forgive us for that? And Lord, would you also help us to be people who forgive? Would you help us to be, to be your holy people? God, would you help us to be people who forgive because we are first forgiven? And God, would you use that to expand your kingdom? And God, I pray for everyone in our church this week who will face great temptations. God, for everyone who even now is maybe questioning your name and who you are and what the significance of God is anyways, even if he is real. God, I just pray that you would tear down those doubts and, and, and turn them away from the temptation to question your name or to rebel against you. And God, I pray that you would do something mightily in everyone's name. Lord God, would you make your name known in their lives as it is in heaven. And God, would you help us to be people who love you, who worship you, who bring you the glory, honor, and praise that you deserve. And we thank you that it can all be accomplished through the power of the Spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray this all. Amen.